This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Glory to God. Well, good to see y'all tonight. Y'all, y'all glad to be here? Praise God's better in prison. Come on now. You got to love that. Amen. Oh, man. Hallelujah. I once was a prisoner, but thank God he set me free. I'm so glad to be set free. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Well, anyway, it's great to see all of you this evening. Glad you can be with me, us, here tonight. We're going to have a great time in the Word, and we're going to learn something. Not only that, are we going to be blessed. Glory to God. You'll come away blessed, I guarantee it. Hallelujah. If you don't, I'll buy you an ice cream cone or something, you know, whatever. When's that place closed, by the way? Is it going to close pretty quick? Huh? But, but it's probably going to be, uh, like, uh, locked up tight. Yeah, well, better get while the getting's good. That's all I can say. Let's open our Bibles together tonight to Colossians chapter 2, or your device, whatever it is that you're using for uh, that particular need in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And uh, when you find that place, well, before you find that place, let's pray together and we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together tonight. We thank you because the entrance of your word gives light. We thank you for the illumination, the illuminating ministry of the Holy Ghost. I thank you tonight, Father, that in every person's life here, something is going to resonate. Something is going to... uh, be brought forth within their hearts that help them in their lives. And I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your blessing. And I thank you for the spirit of God in us in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Now, if you were with us last week, we started talking about and dealing with the subject of our place, the place we have in Christ or in him. And it's both an important and powerful study about really positional truth. Uh, Everybody say that together. Positional truth. Say that. Yeah, positional truth. And I'll give you some examples of that. You know, uh, those of us that live in the United States, we're citizens of these United States. And so with that come certain privileges, privileges that other people at least aren't supposed to have. And uh, anyway, we have these privileges because we are citizens of this country. Membership, you know, you, you become a member of a certain club or you do whatever. Well, you know, obviously that gives you access that, you know, uh, does certain things for you. Maybe it's your family pedigree, you know, that that has allowed you because your last name is such and such that you have certain privileges or whatever the case might be. And that'd also be true, you know, if there's a, an official office that you hold, you know, whether it's president or whatever the name is you know, of that particular thing, you have, you have privilege because of position. Well, thank God for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, we have a place too. And that's what we're talking about. And if you've been, or uh, I should say it this way, uh, if you have been placed in Christ Jesus, how many of you have? Okay. If you've been placed in Christ, it affords you all of the benefits that go along with that position. The problem is a lot of Christians don't know their place. They don't know where they're at. They don't know what they have. They don't know what belongs to them. Are you listening to me? I've shared this story before many times, but when Joan and I first got married, we'd had Brian. He was just an infant baby. Went down to Tulsa because we had a conference that we were attending, and we stayed at a 
at a hotel there, which doesn't even exist anymore. But, you know, we just decided that, you know, each morning I'd go run across the street to the convenience store and pick up some things and bring them back. And so I did that the whole time we were there. I bet we were there three, four days, maybe five. I don't know. Anyway, I got to the end of the week and went in to pay my bill. And uh, I went in there, man, man, as soon as I hit the door, walked in, fresh coffee. Mmm, baby, nice nutty you know, smell to it and everything. And I looked over and there was a table. It was filled with all kinds of, you know, condiments and and uh, donuts and all kinds of pastries and all kinds of things and this and that and the other. And uh, and I just happened to walk up the counter and said, what's all this about? And they said, well, that's for our, that's for our, uh, our guests. I said, what? They said, yeah, that's, that's for our guests. This is something that we provide every mor- morning, you know, for people that want it. Well, every morning I was fighting traffic to get across and fighting traffic to get back. And the reason was I didn't know that it was included. I didn't know it was part of it. Are you listening to me? So we ended up going without. I mean, I'm not going without, but we could. it could have been a lot easier if I would have known it. And there are things when it comes to the things of God and the position that we have in Christ, that if we come to know these things, they're, they're game changers, they're life changers. They, they change our attitude. They change the way we think. It changes the way that we approach different matters and things within our lives because thank God he's with us, he's in us, and he's for us. And so in all of those things, we have him because of this place that we've uh, become a part of. So as a child of God, you know, you have to know those rights. You can't just wonder about them. You can't just say, well, you know, I, you know, somebody was talking about that. I don't know if that's really true or not. No, you can't do that. You got to know the rights that you have that are in Christ Jesus. You have to believe that they're yours. You know, now that I say that because a lot of times, you know, we can read certain things. We're going to read the Bible tonight here. And we're going to see what the Bible has to say. And we can say, well, yeah, I know it said that, but, you know, that's not the reality in my life. Well, thank God we can get to a place of reality if, uh, if we first, at least, begin to believe what it is that we're being told. And then you've got to walk in the light of those rights. You know, the devil's a liar. I said he's a liar. There's no truth in him. And he's always trying to combat the things that God wants to bring into our lives and manifest in our lives. So you have to walk in the light of those rights in order to enjoy the benefits and blessings that go along with them. And that's why we're here tonight. For example, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a, does anybody know? A what? A new creature or a new creation. If any man or woman be in Christ... He is a new creation. And then it goes on to explain in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, old things, talking about our past life, hallelujah, old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So in other words, you know, the new birth is a game changer. But again, a lot of people, they're still living, you know, under the, the thumb of, you know, condemnation and, you know, sin that keeps them bound, all of these different things, because they haven't realized that if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. Hallelujah. And old things have passed away. I said it, I think, last uh, Wednesday night when we were together, you know, my classmates, you know, they knew me B.C., 
you know, and a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, I remember this and I remember that. And I just tell them that guy died. The guy that you're talking about had the nature of sin. And, and because of that, he did what he did. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, then everything changed. And thank God from the inside out, he made me a new creation. So I'm a new creature. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm a new creature. Yeah, you're a new creation. Glory to God. And old things have passed away and all things have become new. Now in our text here in Colossians chapter 2, I want you to notice with me in verse 6, as we read again, it says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, I, I just get blessed thinking about that. He said, therefore, or it says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. So walk in him. So the truth of the matter is, is if you've been born again, then you're in him. If you've received him, then, then the scripture admonishes, teaches, and tells us to walk in him. Now, I've said this before, but when you read the Bible, a lot of times it uses figures of speech like this one. And it's talking about pursuing a course of action, a way of life, the way you conduct yourself, your behavior, you know, those kinds of things. So when we read this scripture as a child of God, we're to pursue a course of action or conduct ourselves in a manner that's consistent with being in him. So in other words, while the world does what they do and they say, come and join us, I'll say, no, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. That's not what I do. Why? Because I'm a new creation, glory to God. Why would I want to go out and do that when I know that it kills, steals, and destroys and brings destruction into my life and heartache and pain and all of the things that are associated with it? Hallelujah. So it's, it's, it's walking after the life of God that is on the inside of you. Learning to let that be the course or the steps that you take. And that's true not only in our conduct, but the things that we say, the things that we believe, the things that, you know, our, our attitudes, uh, uh, how, we, how we talk. You know, God wants you to change your, t your speech. Amen? You know, the Bible says that faith always has a good report. And so, you know, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. The Bible talks about, finally, my brethren, if there, you know, think on these things. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise, you know, think on these things. So there's a change that has to take place. God did something, made us new creations in Christ. Now we have to, you know, reciprocate that by acting on the word. Hallelujah. So when I'm tempted to say something I shouldn't say, I zip my lip. I don't say those things. Huh? Yeah. Have any of you been tempted to say something and you did say it? We all have. Well, hopefully we're learning not to do that. Why? Because it's, it's inconsistent with having received Christ Jesus and walking as he would walk, doing as he would do. The Bible talks about us being conformed into the image of his dear son to become like him. So again, we're to pursue a course of action or conduct ourselves or conduct ourselves in a manner that's consistent with being in him. For example, you know, we use the illustration sometimes, you know, about ambassadors. You know, we have ambassadors that are in every country of the world. And when they go there, they don't live by the standard of that country. They live by the standard of the country from which they, you know, belong or wherever it is that they're from. 
You know, it's kind of like, I think it was at, uh, John uh, uh, Romick was talking about, he was at a hotel someplace and, and uh, all of a sudden this Mercedes came by. Do you remember that? You know, nice Mercedes. Well, it was so out of, uh, not character, but it was, you know, he's in a third world country and here comes this really expensive Mercedes. Well, come find out it's the ambassador from where I don't know. You know, but my point is, is that, you know, when we're in Christ, there's just a privilege. There is an authority. There is victory. There is a grace. There is a blessing. There is huge favor upon your lives. But we're fighting the good fight of faith and we're dealing with all the negative things. How many of you know we live in a negative world? And it seems to be ratcheting itself up, but that doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change God. It doesn't change what he's done. It doesn't change anything if you don't allow it. And so it's important for us to keep ourselves well-versed in these things. Now let's go on reading again. He says in verse 6, As you therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye. Now notice, I want you to notice as we read these things, notice it says, walk ye. Now notice it says, in him. Everybody say, in him. Okay, then it goes on to say in the seventh verse, rooted or rooted and built up what? In him. Okay, so it's all these in him kinds of things. And as we're going to read, you're going to discover throughout this. Matter of fact, we'll just go through it and I'll just point these out. You, if you have a marker or highlighter or something, you know, highlight these things so you can see what's being said here. Because the, 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 the emphasis is the simple fact you're in him. And as being in him, there are, there's things that are yours, that belong to you, that you have rights and privileges of, that, that he's done supernaturally for you. So as you've received Christ, so walk in him. And then it says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith wherein you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. He goes on to say, beware lest anyone should spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit and the traditions of men and the rudiments of the world, not after Christ, for again, in him, for in him, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete where? In him. Okay, who is the head of all principality and power in whom, which is a derivative of the same. Also, you're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him or in him, you could say, in baptism, wherein we are also risen with him. Through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead, you being dead in your and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together again with him. So all of this is, you know, the result of him and you being in him. Hallelujah. Then it goes on to say, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, contrary to us. They, he took them out of the way, nailing them to his cross. And then having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. The King James says, in it, or we could say, in him or in himself. Hallelujah. So all of these things have happened as a result 
of our being in him. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? But back up with me in our text here, and notice in verses 9 and 10, it says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete again in him who is the head of all principality and power. And I guess you could just say it this way. Listen, you guys, Jesus, he's the supreme commander. Hallelujah. And not only that, he is the supreme commander and you are complete in him. It's not about you and what you've done or haven't done or trying to do or any of those kinds of things. Because, see, we're so conditioned to think that we have to do. And, and again, there's, there's works or there's practice or there's whatever. But a lot of times people are doing it in the context to seek approval. And you can't get approved except through the blood of Jesus. So when you realize that, then you're no longer in this performance mode having to try to measure up or, you know, make God happy or what. You're never going to make God any happier about you than he is already. He loves you unconditionally. So you're not going to, you know, make it any better because of this, that, or the other. Now, you will please him because you're obeying him. But again, it isn't, it's not in the context. And what's so powerful about that is, is that you no longer have this duty kind of mentality or attitude that I got to try to, you know, do it right. You just realize he's the one who's given you the ability to do it right. Are you listening to me? Does that make sense to you? Hallelujah. So it's important for us to understand that. It isn't what we're trying to do. It's only about what only he could do. And not only that, but did do or accomplish, and thank God we share in what it is that he has done. Aren't you glad tonight that Jesus is perfect? Yes. Hallelujah. And he's perfected you in that as, you know, <clears throat> and you've got to kind of understand the context here. You know, if you're a ranked sinner, you don't really, uh, the whole works thing doesn't really apply to you because you already know you're a mess. But, you know, he's talking to a bunch of recipients and, and people in the context of this from Colossae, and, and they had grown up in this environment of performance. You have to keep the law. you got to do all of these things, and there's the Ten Commandments, and there's all that. Well, Jesus gave us one. He said, you know, I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. One commandment, just to walk in love. And that fulfills all the rest of them. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Thank God he's made it simple for, that, for those of us that need simplicity. Glory to God. And so, you know, in understanding the context of the letter, you know, again, it was just an atmosphere of works. And all these people are laboring. And he's saying, no, 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 no. If you've, if you've received Christ, you know, hallelujah, you know, you're complete in him. He's done everything that needs to be done. You're not going to make it any better. He's already done that. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Hallelujah. So as we go on reading here, and notice it says in verse 11, in whom you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the uh, circumcision of Christ. And then he goes on to say also um, that we're buried with him in baptism. Thank God, risen together with him. These, thing, these things are uh, communicated in the context of this. But, you know, 
again, the whole, the whole action or the work of being circumcised. You know, a lot of people, if you read in Acts chapter 15, Paul had to get into this mess with them because they were saying, well, it's all good that you've received Jesus or whatever, but you still got to be circumcised and keep the law. And he said, that's a bunch of nonsense. All of that's passed away. We're not dealing with that anymore. And so there was quite a big argument over the whole situation. But here's what the scriptures tell us. It says, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. We got circumcised when we met Jesus and surrendered our heart to him. Amen. When we repented and gave our heart to him. The Bible says in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision, but a new creature. So again, we're not comparing, well, you know, you're this or that or the other. You came from that church. Jesus doesn't care what church you came from. Huh? And he really doesn't care what it is that they think is so important. The only thing that's important is what he said. Huh? Now, thank God, you know, if you're a Baptist, if you're a Methodist, if you're a Lutheran or whatever it is you come from, hallelujah. But let's not hang our hat on the idea, well, you know, I'm a Lutheran, you know, because that's not what makes you holy. And that's not makes, what makes you righteous. Does that make sense to you? Aren't you glad for that tonight? Faith works by love. Glory to God. So the place that we have or stand in Christ is one of absolute and total authority and victory over death, hell, and the grave. And that is important. You know, death will never take your life from, I mean, you know, there's physical death, but you're the real you. You'll never experience death ever because you'll pass from this life to the next. That's why Paul said, oh, death, where is your sting? Where's your victory at? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So death will never touch you. Now again, don't mistake what I'm saying. You're gonna die physically. You know, there is an appointment for all of us at some point to die. But I tell you what, praise God, that's graduation day. It's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Are you listening to me? You know, and so it's important for us to understand, you know, the context of that. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, he's given it. And not only that, but he's given us authority and victory over hell. Aren't you glad tonight that Jesus is under your feet? We read it in there in the scriptures where it says, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in himself or in it or in him for you. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't come here for himself. He came for us. And he did what was necessary for you and I, praise God, to live in victory. But again, it's imperative that we be rooted and grounded in the truth, in him, in Christ, what he said. Not what the world says, not what your neighbor says, not what grandma said, but in Christ, what he said about you. And he said, you're complete in him. Glory to God. And so you don't have to try to do anything. You know, there's something uh, in the context of this. You know, the media is full of lies. Absolutely full of lies. You can't believe anything that they say, you know, because they, they have a certain narrative that they want you to believe, you know. 
And, and we see this happening right now. You know, with this hospital that was bombed, Moss comes out and says, Israel did it. Israel says, ain't no way. Watch this video. They did it themselves because they're a bunch of Nerf balls and the thing went in the wrong direction and killed a bunch of people. And who knows whether it was 500 or whatever, but they use these things as narratives because they want the world to believe something. They want you to believe something. Pastor Brian said something powerful last Sunday morning. He said, you know, when we go to our universities and things like that, they're teaching you what to think, not how to think. So you gotta do a little thinking for yourselves. And thank God you can do that. See, the devil, he'll come along, he'll tell you all kinds of lies. You're no good, you'll never make it. You know, this is a dead-end thing. You know, you, I don't know why this, that, you know, whatever. Anything to defeat you. Anything to keep you from having victory in your life. And thank God, if you know he's a liar, you don't have to believe one thing, one word of anything that he says. Can you say amen? So it's important, hallelujah. And again, when we look at our text... Well, you know, thinking back to this thing about universities and stuff, you know, they get their tactics from their father, the devil. Are you listening to me? Now, you know, if you say that in a public kind of way, you know, people would go nuts. But I'm telling you, somebody's feeding them these lies. And again, they're trying to get you, you know, tell you what you're supposed to think, not how to think. Well, there's a how to it, but you understand what I'm saying. You with me? It's important for us to understand that. Now, <clears throat> so again, look at our text together with me, if you would, please. And, and here's what we've learned. I'm just going to, you know, go down through these things because we, we underlined or maybe marked all the in hymns in there. Well, we've learned that we can walk in him. He says, if you've received him, walk in him. So you can do that. Everybody say, I can do that. Yeah, we can walk in him, we can be rooted and built up, good foundation and a nice beautiful edifice in him. We can be rooted and built up in him. We also know that we are complete in him. There isn't anything we can do to merit anything. That we're circumcised by the Spirit within our hearts. That we're baptized with Him and raised up together with Him. Hallelujah. So that we can walk in newness of life. Man, I'm so glad the dead man is in the grave. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? Yeah, raised up into newness of life. Hallelujah. What's that mean? That means we can win. That means we can be victorious. That means we don't have to be a victim. That means that we don't have to listen to the lies of the devil telling us that we're no good or we'll never make it or, you know, people don't love me or all these different kinds of things. If nobody loves you, he does. Hallelujah. And really, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You know, you guys, you really got to get a hold of this stuff on the inside of you because all these things are ratcheting up and we see all this negative kind of thing going on in the world today. And you got to get a grip on the way that you think and how you, how you respond to these kinds of things from a bibli in a biblical kind of way. Because otherwise, man, they'll just keep, the devil will just keep piling stuff on you until you say, I quit. I give, and that's exactly what he wants you to do. So we have to be armed, we have to be equipped with what it is that we know to be true. Are you listening to me? So that leads me to another thought here, and I'll get to it. But, but 
I guess at the end of the day, thank God, you know, when we're raised with him or raised up together with him to walk in newness of life, we no longer have to be dominated by the flesh, bad habits, unhealthy thinking, carnal behavior, corrupt communication or anything. You don't have to. I said you just don't have to. And thank God, you know, the thing you need to understand, it's a choice. It's not a feeling. It is a choice. It's a decision. It's something you say, no more of this. I am not having strife. I am not going to get down the weeds. I am not going to make these things or allow these things to have a place in my life. That's your choice. And thank God you got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and make up your mind that's the way life's going to be for you. Or you can go the other route, which is not so much fun. But the Bible, as we read in our text, that we've been made alive together with him, that we share in the victory over principalities and powers of hell. Thank God he's been defeated. But, but again now, so how do we appropriate this stuff? How do we get it to become a reality in our lives? I mean, the preacher's been preaching and we're excited about that, but I want to know the reality of these things. How, how is it that that happens, you know, uh, where our lives are concerned? Glad you ask. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> you say, are you sure God really wants this to happen in my life? I am absolutely, unequivocally, yes, 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 and yes, yes, yes. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at this with me. Notice what it says here. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing a letter to the uh, uh, saints that are in Ephesus. And, and he's going to give us a glimpse into how he's praying for these people or this church. And, and how many of you believe, number one, that he probably prayed according to the will of God? And not only that, but as we read these things, we know that the Bible's God speaking to us. So we got it on pretty good authority that what we're about to read is going to be able to help us understand and know what the will of the Lord is. So notice in verse 15, he says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what I'm praying. Notice verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, notice, in the knowledge of him. How many of you know God wants you to know him? Yes. Huh? We're going to talk about that on Sunday. By the way, if you've got any sick people, bring them Sunday. We're going to pray for them and get them healed. Hallelujah. But anyway, that's beside the point. But... <clears throat> I want you to, in, in reading this, this is how Paul's praying. And, 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 and I, you know, it's a spirit-inspired prayer. And he said, I'm praying, you know, uh, to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ that he would grant or give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of what? Him. So the point I want to make to you is God wants you to know the truth about him. And, you know, when you get into religious circles, man, dude, there's all kinds of stuff. There'll be things that happen. People say, well, you know, I guess that's just was the Lord's will. Well, stupid. I mean, why do we say that? You know, 
because we're, you know, we believe in fate or, or what? I mean, you know, there's no, there's no biblical grounds for that. Something bad happens, you know, and immediately people think, well, you know, by golly, they must have been, you know, doing something wrong or that would have never happened. Have we ever given consideration to the God of this world who wants to kill, steal, and destroy that he may have something to do with it? You know, there was a, and, and, and Jesus argues this point. His disciples said, you know, um, well, one time they said, who sinned? This guy or, or his parents or whatever? I, I'm kind of following this up a little bit. And he said, no, no. You know, I think we should find that because I've messed it up. Um, look with me in Luke. Uh, Anybody know where this is? Hang on just a second. I'm sorry. Um, came to pass, Pharisees ate bread, and they drew near the public. Remember saying this man received sinners needs for them. You know, I tell you, there's a lot of good stuff in this Bible. I don't know if you've known that or not, but it's 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 uh, it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, yes, here it is. Luke chapter 13. Notice this. And I don't know if I commented on this one other, on one other occasion. But there were present at uh, uh, that season, this is verse 1, some that told Jesus of the Galileans whose blood Pilate uh, mingled and ming- mingled with their sacrifices. Now, notice Jesus's response. So, so in other words, they're they're saying that the reason that this happened is because of sin or something that was in their life. Okay, that's the context. So, Jesus in verse two said to them, "Do you suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things?" You know, you'll hear people. Something happens to somebody. that goes serves them right. Well, you know what? We all deserve nothing good. But because of Jesus and his mercy, thank God. Are you listening to me? But, but again, it's human reasoning. It's the way that people think. So in verse 2, he asks a question. Suppose you that these Galileans were sinners above all because they suffered such things. I tell you, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Wow. Huh? So what are we doing here? Well, you know, we've got the, the, we've, these categories. I'm not as bad as them. Thank God. I don't do what they do. Huh? Isn't that what's happening? We've got this comparatinitis going on. Are you with me? Notice what he then goes on to say. I tell you the truth, unless they repent, they'll all likewise perish. Verse 4, and those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and and slew them, do you think that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you that except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So what I'm trying to say to you is that sometimes our theology and our doctrine is pretty messed up. That's why we need the Bible. That's why we need to know the truth. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, a lot of bad things happen to good people, and we're always asking, you know, why is that? Well, the reality is, is that, <clears throat> that sometimes people are in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes, yeah, they do bad things, and, and there's a, there is a consequence that comes with that. You know, sometimes it's just hell showing up to mess things up. Can you say amen? 
So, you know, we have to rightly divide what the truth is about some of these things when we're thinking about that. So, so again, let me just say, God wants you to know the truth about him. He wants you to know the truth about yourself. And he wants you to know the truth about what Jesus has done for you. Because again, we're in him as children of God and new creations. So we need, as Paul was praying, we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. I'm so glad. You know, over all of these years that I've had the privilege of being able to come to know him. And not what Paul said. He said that I may know him. He said, I, I put away everything else because I, all I want to do is I want to know him who he really is, what his character is like, you know, and the nature of God and his desires toward me. And you find that all in the Bible. Hallelujah. And guess what? It's good. Everything that God has for you is good. So we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And for many of you, your lives have been changed because you've come. Aha. Holy cow. I didn't know that. Huh? You know, and it's, it's brought about change. It hasn't solved every problem you got, but at least you're on the right track. And, and secondly, we need to be full of the word. Full of the word. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you how? Richly, abundantly. Hallelujah. And it goes on to say some other things, but at the end of the day, it says, let it, let it, and it says this, let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to use knowledge, you know? So we want the word of Christ to dwell in us in all wisdom to be able to rightly divide what's being said. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Let's talk about um, bathing. Taking a bath. Now, you know, uh, one of the things that I do at home, I mow my own yard, got this, you know, riding mower, and I go zipping around out there. And, you know, naturally, because I get on this machine, there's dirt and there's dust and there's grass and there's all kinds of stuff blowing all over the place, you know. And, and as a result of my being in that environment, when I am done, I'm probably not the cleanest person on the planet. Now, wouldn't it be strange if having done that, come nightfall and we get ready to go to bed, I don't take a bath. I just try. I say try because the police is there. Uh, you know, I mean, she'd go ballistic. You are not getting in this bed like that. You need a what? A bath. You know, and some of you, you know, you've had different things. I mean, maybe you might take one or two or even three, three baths a day. But being in various environments requires bathing and hygiene, you know, in order not to be influenced or affected by that. Have you ever been around somebody that hadn't had a bath for a while? Whoo, you could tell they've been somewhere, right? Or maybe haven't been somewhere. Why? Because they've been in an environment, and it's, I know this might be a weird kind of an example, but it's working for you. Are you listening to me? So, so the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, there's another scripture in the Bible that says that husbands, you're supposed to love your wives, Christ loved the church. Now notice this in the next verse, 
gave himself that he might that Jesus might sanctify and cleanse the church listen by the washing of the water of the what word the cleansing effect that God's word has within our lives so what am I trying to say to you you know, in everyday life, we go out there and we have our responsibilities and we're in the nitty-gritty, rough-and-tumble world that we live in. And I don't care what you say, you, when you get out there, there's an opportunity that that world is going to take to influence you. Okay? You're in the environment, so you have to deal with it. You know, it isn't that we go crawl in a hole someplace. But what I'm telling you is that you need to take a bath regularly in the Word of God. Amen? When God, you know, was speaking to Joshua, he said, this book of the law is not to part from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night so that you can observe to do according to all that's written therein, for then you'll make your way prosperous, then you'll have good success. So we need the word, okay? It's not, a, it's not just a Sunday morning kind of thing. It's not something where we have our Bible sitting on the mantle and it looks all nice, even though we got one of them. But I'm just saying that we got to get in the book and let the book get in us so that we are allowing this cleansing to take place. Give yourself permission and have the devotion that is necessary for you. I, I mean, if I were you, man, I'd start reading the Psalms. Make a commitment. I'm going to read five of them a day. By the end of the month, you'll have them all done. Because the Psalms give strength. They, 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 they provide strength. When you read the book of Proverbs, it gives wisdom. It helps you understand how to live. But Psalms, you know, David, I mean, here's a guy that's on the backside, of I don't know where, taking care of his father's sheep, and he's out there meditating in the Word. And so then, you know, as he grows and becomes more prominent, the king and so on and so forth, he ends up with all these Psalms, and we have a record of them. Oh, he says, oh, Father, how I delight in you, oh, God. You are my strength. You are my refuge. I mean, he just goes off. Well, thank God we can do the same thing. Can you say amen? And so it becomes important for us, again, to let the word of God dwell in us richly. So we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. We need to be full of the word of God. Hallelujah. And then also you have to believe that what God has said about you, instead of the way you feel, come on now, you have to believe what he said about you instead of the way you feel, what someone has said, or the way things look around you. Huh? I feel like I need to say that again. I got absolutely no response. Huh? You can't go by what you feel. You can't go by what people say. You know, a lot of folk, they don't know you. Huh? They can come up with some ugly statement about you and it ain't, there's no truth in it at all. But if you're not careful, you go, well, you know, maybe they're right. You know, come on. Are you with me? Do some thinking for yourself. Are you listening to me? Don't listen to the devil and his lies. And even that, the way that things look around you. Uh, I got six minutes. Turn to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6. Hallelujah. If I get a chance, I'll give you two examples here of what I'm talking about. 2 Kings chapter 6. Glory to God, I have preached myself happy. Hallelujah. I'm so glad for the word, aren't you? Hallelujah. Notice what it says here. Chapter 6. Uh, let, me, let me preface the reading by, first of all, telling you that the king of Syria was warring against Israel. 
And he's trying to catch them in certain places and get them in traps so that he can destroy them and so on and so forth. But every time he tries to do that, there was a prophet, the man of God. Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank God for the man of God. He'd tell the king of Israel and he'd say, hey, don't go down there because they're going to be waiting for you and that wouldn't be a good place for you to be. And so they wouldn't be. So, you know, the king of Syria is getting frustrated because every time, you know, their intelligence group gives them some information and they go to set themselves up in order to do this thing and come find out they ain't nothing to it, you know. So the king of Syria decides, you know what, we got a rat in the house. There's somebody is telling us, telling our secrets. So notice with me in chapter 6, uh... Uh, verse 11, therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And so he called his servants and he said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Who is this rat? Verse 12, and one of the servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. <laughs> Hallelujah. Aren't you glad God's on your side? Amen. And verse 13, he said, well, go and spy where he is then. Let's get a, let's get, let's take care of that cat. So he <laughs> quits telling the king what's going on. So he says, he says, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him and said, behold, he's, he's in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses, chariots, great host. And they came by, they're after one guy, huh? A great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and went forth, behold, an host encompassed or compassed the whole city, both with horses and chariots. And the servant said to Elisha, he said, alas, my master, how shall we, what are we going to do? Have any of you ever felt that way sometimes in your life? What are we going to do? You pick up, you know, you open the mail and here it is, or maybe it's a phone call, or maybe somebody comes to visit you or whatever. And all of a sudden you're thinking, my God, what are we going to do? Well, that's what happened to this servant. So Elisha, let's go on reading here. He said, how should we do? Verse 16. And he said, fear not. Hallelujah. Everybody say, fear not. You don't ever have to fear. Thank God I don't care what's coming your way. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what they're saying. You never have to fear. Why? Because he's on your side and he's for you. He said, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And I've said this before, and you've heard it before, you know, but I'm sure the servant was going, hey, I don't know, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, one, two. How can you say there's more that be with us than be with them? Now notice the next verse. That's why he was saying it. And Elijah prayed in 17 and said, Lord, I pray thee, Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Hallelujah. People will say, well, yeah, but that was Elisha. You know, he's a prophet, you know, and all this and that and the other. Dude, you're a child of the living God. You're a son of the living God. See, that kind of, re well, you know, that's good for him, not me. No, it's good for you. The same God that was around him is around you. So whenever something, you know, comes your way, you don't ever have to be afraid. Thank God, because he's with you. There's more that be with you than be with them. Hallelujah. Are you with me? If God be for us, 
Who or what can be against it? Isn't that what the Bible says? But we're so um, challenged to believe this. We're so, you know, we find it so hard to, 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 to believe that what God said is true. Hallelujah. You know, aren't you going to get nervous about this? No. Aren't you going to get upset about this? No. No, no, no. Why? Because we don't need to. You know, you may have something come your way and you don't know exactly what the answer is, but you don't have to be afraid. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Because God is on your side. Can you say amen? I like it. I'll, I'll finish with this story. I know it's 8 o'clock, but we'll be done here just uh, quickly. <clears throat> years ago, uh, uh, Brother Hagen was a pastor. He pastored for nearly 12 years. In the last church that he pastored, he had a superintendent that worked out in the oil fields, and he was up on this rig, and he fell off the rig down into a bunch of machinery and uh, got hurt really, really badly. So anyway, um, they called for the pastor and, his, and the wife of this guy. That, but understand, he was his, he, he was his uh, superintendent in the church, you know, like the Sunday school superintendent. So anyway, he, uh, Brother Hagen got there, and the doctor was there, you know, and he was over him. And, and um, the doctor whispered to Brother Hagen, he says, Reverend, he says, you know, I, I thought he was dead, but he's not quite dead, but he, there ain't no way he can live, you know. And uh, so if you would, um, maybe take his wife and go pull her aside someplace and, you know, prepare her. So Brother Hagen said, sure, not a problem. And so he took her to one pl you know, took her aside and was going to talk to her. And before he could actually tell her what the doctor had just told him, you know, uh, this, this woman says, Brother Hagen, she says, uh, uh, Dr. Garrett or whatever his name is, doesn't believe that daddy's going to live, does he? And Brother Hagen says, well, no, he doesn't. He said, and so this is what she says. Well, aren't, uh, aren't you and I glad that we've got some inside information? And you know, information inside the Bible. Hallelujah. And, and Brother Hagin says, yes, sister, whatever her name was, you know, we'll, we'll believe God together. So they, they prayed and believed God that he'd live and not die. Well, you know, so they got this guy. He's, he's there, you know, in this oil field, uh, I don't know, 30, 40 miles from Tyler, Texas, laying on the ground, got him all covered up with blankets. And the doctor said, we can't move him. We move him, we'll kill him. Well, you know, so he'd, they waited and waited and waited and waited, and he didn't die. And so they ended up, um, uh, the doctor finally said, well, you know what? I've done everything I know to do. I've given him all the shots I can give him, whatever. I tell you what, we'll just, we'll put him into the ambulance. We'll have to go ahead and move him. And Brother Hagen or Reverend, you get in there with him, and we'll just have him go as fast as they can, get to the, uh, Tyler and, and see, you know, what, what can happen. Well, so they did all this, and the guy's still alive. They got him there, and they were ready for him, prepared, and this and that and the other. But he was in shock. And, um, and so they, they put him in what we would call ICU now, you know, and, um, and there was no response. They couldn't, you know, get anything. And so Brother Hagen had this visual vigil, you know, with this guy for two, three nights and uh, talking to the nurse and this and that and the other, you know, and everybody was saying, you know, well, he's, he's alive, but he ain't going to live. He can't live. He's going, he's going to go fast, you know, and this and that. Well, he kept living. One night, I think on the third night or something like that, Brother Hagen was there. It was two o'clock in the morning, been there for days, you know, and he's tired and he, he goes to sleep, falls off to sleep. And um, he felt the nurse, you know, 
kind of brushed by him because she was checking on him. And he woke up and he looked over and looked like he was dead, you know, and says, is he dead? And she says, no, he, he's not quite dead, but he'll never make it till seven o'clock in the morning. So Brother Hagin said he just got up and went out into the hallway and he says, I can't tell you why I did this. He says, I have no idea. He says, I just went out there and I said, God, I said, I'm not going to let him die. I said, he's my Sunday school superintendent. I need him. And if I need him, you need him. And you know, he's only 49 years old. This just ain't right. And, and I am not going to let him die. And so he went back into the room and he looked at him, you know, and he's, all of a sudden he's looking good, you know, and this and that and the other. And, and uh, <clears throat> he went through this about two or three different times because anytime he would get away from the situation, you know, the guy would start dying. Well, so finally... Um, one day, a uh, doctor came in through this episode of everything, and all of a sudden, he was all excited. He says, get a stretcher, get a stretcher. You know, he's, 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 he's come out of it, you know, and he says, you know, he might live. And Brother Eggett says, well, I knew he was going to live, you know, because I said I wasn't going to let him die. And now, he was talking about the authority that we have as believers, you with me. And so, he just pled his case before the Lord and had faith for it and believed God. So, anyway, the guy, um, they... They did all the x-rays, found out what was wrong with him. Pretty soon, you know, he came back around, this and that and the other, and, and, and lived. And he came back to the church, and, and while he was there, he, told, he thanked the people, you know, and told them that he was glad that um, um, they, he appreciated their prayers for him, this and that and the other. And he made the statement, he says, now, he says, uh, don't ever feel badly for anybody that dies. He says, because if they're a child of God, they're going to heaven, and there's no place like it. And uh, he said, matter of fact, I didn't want to come back. And uh, so when he said, I evidently must have died because I went and I seen Jesus. And Jesus was there. And, uh, and uh, you know, he said, I was just about to, you know, fall at his feet and just worship and magnify him and thank him for who he was. And I, I no more and just got ready to do that. And, and Jesus said, you'll have to go back. He says, well, Lord, I don't, I don't want to go back. He says, well, you'll have to go back. He said, but Lord, I, I don't want to go back, you know. And he said, you don't. You, you know, you get there, you don't want to go back. I think about my brother Ray, you know, 69-year-old Ray. You know, off he goes, and I guarantee you that guy, he couldn't sing a tune, couldn't, couldn't hold a tune in a bucket. His, his rhythm was just, I mean, you know, you'd be clapping on time, and old Ray, he'd just be, you know all over the place. And but I tell you what, man, when that guy got to heaven, I guarantee you he's in step. Hallelujah. Probably singing harmony. But anyway, you know, he said, I don't want to go back. He says, well, you're going to have to go back because Brother Hagin won't let you come. And he said that Jesus, you know, these things in spiritual terms, you know, are different. But he said Jesus just turned and it was like he pulled a veil back. And Brother Hagin was standing there and said, Lord, I'm not going to let him die. And so he, he closed the veil and he said, see, he won't let you come. He says, the next thing I knew, I woke up in bed in the hospital. And uh, so, so here's the thing. Brother Egan never told anybody about what the conversation that he had out in the hall. But Jesus heard it, and he showed this guy. And so he came back to life. Are you with me? What am I trying to say to you? I'm just saying that, you know, we all, we suffer and we deal with all kinds of things and, 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 and we can be discouraged. Sometimes we feel so hopeless. 
I'm telling you what, my friend, you are not without hope. There is always hope in God. Are you listening to me? So while we manage and while we deal with and while we struggle with, you know, whatever it is that's going, in, going on in our lives, maybe it's relational, uh, it, it could be anything, you know. I'm just telling you that there is a God in heaven, man, that's on your side, and you're in him, and he is in you, and he's for you, not against you. Can you say amen? Let's everybody stand. I went long enough. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Father in heaven, thank you so much for our time together this evening. We thank you for your living word. We thank you, Father God, that you have given us the ability to be established, rooted, and grounded in Jesus. And not only that, that we can walk in him, that we can do the works of Jesus, that we can fulfill the divine purpose that you have in each and every one of our lives. It is our choice. Hallelujah. We choose. Yes, to live in the life and life more abundant that he came to give us. Father God, I pray for those here within the sound of my voice. And God, if they're discouraged, if they feel somehow hopeless, if it's just everything that's been piling up on them or, you know, around them, uh, different negative kinds of things. Father, right now, we as an act of our will, we make the decision to shake those snakes off into the fire. And God, I just thank you for the peace that passes all understanding, the hope that only you can give on the inside of us, hallelujah, and that, Father, you'll make a way where there is no way. We trust you tonight, Father. Oh, we trust you. Hallelujah. You know, while our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, somehow or another, you know, I feel the, the weight and the grief that we often feel sometimes for our loved ones. Maybe they're not walking with God and, and they're not going the direction that we'd like them to. Hallelujah. Cast your care over onto him. Why? Because he cares for you. He's heard your prayers. He's seen your tears and your cries. And he knows right well the desire that you have for them. And it's his desire. So rest in him. Trust him. Believe him. And let him bring it to pass. And you'll see changes in their lives. Continue to thank God for their, their, um, the change in the direction of their lives and, and the hunger that they need for Jesus. Just believe him and trust him and say, thank you, Lord. It's not mine to worry about. It's not mine to have care about. And I tell you, if you'll just uphold them before the Lord, I guarantee you that he'll work in their lives. He'll bring it about. And you can rejoice. You can rest. Hallelujah. In that which he has provided for you. Glory to God. He said that he would give you the desires of your heart. So just rest easy. Praise God. No more worry. No more care. No more weight. It's not yours to bear. Hallelujah. Just rejoice in him and be glad. Hallelujah. And blessing will come your way. Glory to God. And with a light heart, <laughs> a light heart, you can live life and be blessed. Glory to God. Father, I pray tonight for those that we love and yet we know, Father God, for whatever the reasons, and it doesn't matter that maybe they're away from you or they're just not um, heading in the direction that they need to. Father, we, we bear them before you right now. And we're so grateful, Father God, for your care, your benevolence, and your grace. And we pray for them, Father, that they would come into the knowledge of the truth. Help them to see the error of their way. 
Father God, that they may have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened so that they can know this hope of your calling and the inheritance that you provided for them. We thank you for that tonight, Father. And again, Lord, I pray for those that even in their personal lives, they somehow feel hopeless. And Lord, that by the Spirit of God, you would strengthen them with might by your Spirit in their inner man. Let them know that they are not without hope. That God, you care for them. That they can rest in you. And God, may there be patience where their heart is concerned just to endure, rest. It may not be the place they want to be in, Father God, but you're going to get them there. And we know that. We trust you for that. And we thank you, Father, for that day. Oh, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Glory to God. And so we just thank you for your blessing in every one of our lives. Because again, we're in you and you're in us. We're new creatures in Christ, born of the Spirit of God, and you've given us authority and victory, hallelujah, over death, hell, and the grave. And we just rejoice in that which you provided for us in Jesus' name. Lord, as we pray, guide us in our giving tonight. We thank you for the church. We thank you for what it's doing. We thank you for its impact in the lives of people. And we just rejoice, Father God, hallelujah, in what it is that you've raised up. An oasis of love, a place of blessing. Yes, a, 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 a place to be nourished in the word of truth. And we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right, you can be seated if you would. We'll receive our offering and then we'll cut you loose.